Recently, U.S. Cyber Command has confirmed that it has acted against ransomware groups, underscoring the importance of cybersecurity to national security. I'm here with Cynthia Brumfield, author, CSO online contributor, and analyst to discuss why effective risk management techniques are often an important line of defense against cyber incidents. Stick around. Hey everyone, welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Julia Beauchamp and I'm here, like I mentioned with Cynthia Brumfield. She is an analyst, a CSO online contributor, and also author of the new book, Going to make sure I get this title right, Cybersecurity Risk Management, Mastering the Fundamentals Using the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. Cynthia, thank you so much for calling in and chatting with us today. Thank you, Julia, for having me on. I appreciate it. So like I mentioned in my little intro there, I really want to dive into how and why effective risk management techniques are often the ultimate defense against any sort of cyber incident ransomware attack. You don't even have to be you know, a security pro to understand the consequence of a really large scale um, cyber incident. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of the Colonial Pipeline this year. That was obviously a very... Um, a very impactful ransomware attack. I mean, the p pipeline was offline and for days. It was. Um, and I think what we're seeing are uh, cyber incidents becoming much more impactful, much more dangerous, uh, much more real world. You mentioned the uh, Colonial Pipeline. You know, that was <laughs> cyber, you know, back in the day, cyber incidents involved, you know, what, today look like pranks, you know, back, you know, around the year 2000, around the year 2010, you know, you had really funny little kind of cyber incidents that basically may have brought down portions of the internet from time to time, or may have caused some problems for organizations. And, you know, they had to go back and reconnect and do all kinds of different things. But now you've got incidents that are real world impactful that can shut down a pipeline to the eastern seaboard mm -hmm. and, and that is something that is relatively new it's also enormously expensive i mean the colonial pipeline paid about 4.4 million in its ransomware attack now it got about 2.3 million of that back because the justice department you know had a, a ninja move and retrieved it from the ransomware attackers before they they themselves could make it disappear within the uh, kind of the cryptocurrency world. Um, but, you know, it also cost them a fortune. And I, I, I was looking, I, I haven't seen any really good estimates on how much revenue they lost for those multiple days where the pipeline was not running. They had to pull, they had to bring in very expensive cybersecurity consultants mm -hmm. that, you know, likely cost them millions of dollars to resolve this incident. And they were hit with class action lawsuits in the aftermath of it, not to mention the fact that uh, a lot of the data of their employees were stolen and that puts them at jeopardy. So there was just this mushrooming set of expenses that and, and damages that they experienced. The risk is certainly there. And I, and it's also certainly no secret that the risk is there. So how can an, an enterprise, an IT team, security pros within an organization even begin to wrap their arms around um, it, their understanding of the risk that's out there? And then coupled with that, yes. let's um, talk, If even if you can just give a super brief um, 
explanation of what exactly the NIST framework is, because that's really what we're referencing here when we're talking about a risk management framework. That's a good idea, because we just sort of assume people know what this is. But um, the NIST cybersecurity framework was created as a result of an executive order under President Obama, who in 2013 ordered the National Institute of Standards and Technology to come up with a way to come up with a framework that better protects or all organizations, but particularly critical infrastructure organizations against cyber incidents and, and helps them resolve it and helps them, you know, go back and take lessons learned that does basically the whole thing. Uh, over a course of a year, NIST, which is the standard setting body in the United States, and they have a tremendous expertise in all areas of cybersecurity, came up with this you know, very uh, interesting uh, and, and all-encompassing framework that does look at everything that organizations should be paying attention to and offers what outcomes that they should be reaching for and gives them a tool set uh, in the form of, in, uh, of standards. They call them informative references in the form of standards and other, other kind of inform informative references so that you can go back to your organization and start uh, implementing these practices. The difficulty with the NIST framework is that it was devised by scientists. And I went to all six of the NIST workshops that led to the development of the framework. And they were held at universities across the country and they uh, thousands of people attended. Most of them were you know, technically advanced uh, thought leaders and academics and scientists and engineers. Um, and they came up with this very, I think, elegant elegant framework. It is a difficult framework to understand because NIST doesn't tell you how to do anything. It doesn't even really explain in detail what the steps are under each of the, you know, uh, you know, 100 odd uh, subcategory recommendations that are contained in the framework. You know, our book hopes, hopefully breaks it down into language that says, well, here's this section of the NIST framework. This, this is what that means. Okay. And, and this is what, you know, best practices in the cybersecurity industry typically call for, for this particular thing. So um, it's a very elegant framework. It is well, well understood by professionals and academics and scientists there is a translation gap between what NIST has produced in the mom and pop and small organizations in particular out there in terms of how can we take this and apply it in our organization. And so hopefully our book does that. And this, the NIST framework specifically, I know that you said that it was originally developed, um, I mean, by the federal government and also specifically for critical infrastructure or critical infrastructure um, organizations. So that could be, you know, for example, to continue talking about Colonial Pipeline, Colonial Pipeline. Um, and that's sort of how this relates to um, the government underscoring the importance of cybersecurity as it relates to national security. But I would think, is it true that the NIST framework doesn't just have to be applied to the gas pipelines of the world? It can be probably applied to any organization, small to large. And I would, I would, 
think, and you can certainly correct me here, that this could be a good jumping off point for, say, a small business or a medium-sized business that maybe doesn't have dedicated security pro on staff to be able to look at this and say, okay, here are some actionable insights and some actionable steps we can take to better protect our enterprise, better protect our um, data, better protect whatever, reputation, for example. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. The the NIST framework became the critical infrastructure framework because that was the language in Obama's executive order. And that was, you know, kind of the focus that we need to protect the critical infrastructure more. But as NIST went through the development of the framework, and even now, um, they made very clear that they hope organizations who aren't critical infrastructure, and, it, and you know, that's a very expansive term. I Absolutely. Think there's 17 or 18, I, they've changed them over the year, uh, critical infrastructure sectors in the U.S. that could, you know, be as expansive, you know, I did some work in the broadcasting industry that could be as expansive as including a broadcast station. Now, is that critical? Yes, it is, according to um, the, you know, the uh, federal government, that is critical infrastructure. So, the, so it's really hard to say that they're, you know, there's very few businesses out there that don't fit into a, uh, a a sector that has been designated, you know, likely to be critical infrastructure. However, going back to your point, this really stresses that it needs to um, uh, it, that it encourages all organizations to take the framework and pick and choose from its many components those bits that might better help them um, secure their organizations. And it, it's not, it, it's sort of like a a la carte menu in some respects. Nobody has to do everything. And if you're a small mom and pop and it doesn't make sense for you to do one particular aspect of the framework, well, look at the other parts. That, and if they help you, then, you know, please adopt them in your organization. That, that's their posture. So with the NIST framework, what about it is, and what about, you know, risk management frameworks in general for cybersecurity, what about them specifically are important in defending against a cyber incident? Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things the NIST framework seeks to do is to not produce a checklist of items that organizations okay. should do because mm -hmm. in the past, in the past, having said that, I will give you a checklist, but um, in the past, what organizations, you know, compliance does not equal security. That is kind of a, a, a well-worn phrase within the cybersecurity industry. But in the past, a lot of security efforts have been, okay, did that, did that, did that, checked off all those activities and were done. And that has actually partially led to the security problems that we're facing today. It, it makes us less secure if you do that checklist uh, model. But I will tell you, um, the uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is part of DHS, it's called CISA, um, has stressed since the beginning of the Biden administration and, and continues to stress certain base level activities that are really important to security. And, you know, going back to the uh, 
I mentioned President, I may not have mentioned, but President Biden issued a, a very ambitious uh, executive order on cybersecurity in May that mentions, for example, multi-factor authentication, uh, appropriate detection and response activities, encryption, which basically enables you to um, keep data, you know, kind of uh, out of the hands of those who don't have the formulas that your mathematical formulas that you're using to, you know, store your data, um, and uh, having a, an empowered security team. All those things are really important. But in addition to that, I'm CISA, uh, and I think I pulled this directly from their website. And Jen Easterly, who is the director of CISA currently has mentioned them in various statements, you know, keep backups of data. That is, for example, when it comes to ransomware, very critical because if you have sufficient data backups and you test those backup systems and you keep them separate from the networks that are going to be infiltrated by ransomware attackers, then there's really no, well, this is a simplification, but it lessens the need to have to deal, pay any ransom at all because, okay, you know, you got in our system and, you know, you made everything non-functional. Well, fine. We'll just build everything again from backups. Well, it's a little more complicated than that because these days ransomware attackers are also stealing data and they're, uh, you know, blackmailing organizations that they'll release it. But so, so it's not that simple, but if you keep backups, it will, you know, keep the organization in good stead. Um, uh, uh, use a risk-based strategy to drive patch management programs. And this is really critical because um, software is continually being patched every day, even as we speak, by the thousands of providers. You know, we know the big ones. There's Microsoft, there's Adobe, there's Oracle, there's so many organizations out there that are kind of driving the business sector in terms of software and they they are you know the monsters but but everybody else i mean uh, can have uh flaws in their systems that they need to patch and um you can't just constantly go around doing that you have to come up with a, man a, a sort of a risk-based management system for patching your systems and that has led to a lot of major cybersecurity incidents over the year having over the years having insecure patch man having inadequate patch management uh, programs um testing your incident response plans uh, you know, testing your security team's work uh, segmenting networks to limit the damage when an incident occurs you don't you want to protect the you know the uh, the most important parts of your network uh, in a way that you may not want to, you know, protect something that's very relatively trivial that your organization has on its network. So having some sort of uh, risk management program to segment your networks and treat different components that you perceive to be more valuable differently is really important. All of these things have been raised by CISA, have been raised by the Biden administration over the last six months and have been stressed and have been uh, emphasized. However, you know, 
there's far more than that that of really kind of goes in, <laughs> that goes into risk management. Absolutely. Well, it really does seem like the NIST framework could be a good place to start for any either security pro or IT team member who is looking at their organization and saying, okay, we we need to start investing in security in both, you know, literal dollars and also in time. Um, and I think it could be good to be able to look at the NIST framework and say, like you have mentioned, XYZ applies to us, but we don't need to worry about ABC or vice versa. And I would think too that there was may- is maybe a way that um, organizations can figure out how to build upon whatever existing infrastructure they already have. Would you think? Would you think that's possible? Um, absolutely. I mean, you've got to start where where you're you're at and that's the existing infrastructure right and so you need to start building upon what you have i mean i think that goes without saying and it is you know the legacy infrastructure is a really interesting question and there's something called technical debt that you know kind of complicates the whole question of cybersecurity, which means you've got a lot of old stuff hanging around that you haven't really paid any attention to or that hasn't been brought up to date or hasn't maybe not even appear in the asset inventory, which is really common. So yeah, you're exactly right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia, for calling in and joining me today. I think this was a really nice overview and definitely some actionable insights to take away from here. If if you as even, you know, as someone in any level of the organization looking at whatever your um, perhaps whatever your security infrastructure is and saying, you know, we need to improve this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Cynthia. You're welcome. Thank you, Juliet, for inviting me. And thank you all so much for watching this episode of Today in Tech. If you liked this video, you can give it a thumbs up. You can also subscribe to our channel and hit the bell icon so you're notified every single time we post a new video. If you have any questions or comments about cybersecurity frameworks, risk management, what have you, please do leave us a comment in the comment section below. And if it's a question, I will do my best to get back to you. Just a reminder, this is our last episode of 2021. So happy holidays and happy new year to anyone watching. We will be with you again in 2021. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.